Hey, if you need new sunglasses, if you would like to get new sunglasses, know that Shady Rays, for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, is offering a fantastic deal. 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses at ShadyRays.com. Go to ShadyRays.com and use this promo code Al Galdi. Shady Rays sunglasses, they are the best. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements, meaning that if you lose or break your pair of sunglasses, even on day one, Shady Rays will send you a brand new pair of sunglasses. No questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because Shady Rays has your back long after your purchase. Go to ShadyRays.com and use that code ALGALDI for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Yeah, 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. If you don't love them, you can exchange them for sunglasses that you do love, or you can return your sunglasses for a full refund within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Shady Rays always has your back. Go to ShadyRays.com and use that code Al Galdi for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. And away we go, episode 571 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Friday, May 12th. 2023, the day after a uh, rather busy night for our incoming commander's owner, Josh Harris. You know, he on Thursday night had stuff happening with all three of the uh, major United States pro sports teams that he owns. And I say United States because he also is part owner of the English Premier League soccer team, Crystal Palace FC. But he also is managing partner of the Philadelphia 76ers and managing partner of the New Jersey Devils. The Sixers on Thursday night, a 95-86 home loss to the Boston Celtics to force a Game 7 in that second-round series in the NBA playoffs. The Devils on Thursday night, uh, their season ended. A 3-2 overtime loss at the Carolina Hurricanes, who won that second-round series in the Stanley Cup playoffs 4-1. But also on Thursday night, the official release of the Commanders 2023 regular season schedule. So you see, Josh, whereas the Sixers and Devils on Thursday night brought you pain, uh, our commanders, uh, they on Thursday night brought you hope. Hello and welcome to this Friday installment of the Al Galdi podcast, the only Washington, D.C. area sports podcast or show for which there is a new episode each weekday, Monday through Friday, with each episode out oh so early each weekday morning. This is the podcast that wakes up with you. This is the podcast that follows D.C. area sports so that you don't have to. Following sports is work. We do the work for you. It is great to have you with us uh, as the host of perhaps the uh, number one national sports show in the country, the great Pat McAfee says, uh, be a friend, tell a friend, spread the word about the Al Galdi podcast. And thank you very much for listening and downloading and subscribing. And please keep the uh, ratings and the reviews coming if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. In other words, if you are listening on your iPhone or iPad via the Apple Podcast icon, the purple icon, uh, you can rate the podcast. A five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps out the show, helps out the movement that is 
the Al Goldie podcast quite a bit. Uh, also, you on Apple Podcasts can write a review saying that you like the podcast. The review can be just a sentence or two. can be longer, but doesn't have to be. But uh, the reviews are read by advertisers and people in the industry, so the positive reviews are greatly appreciated. All right. Uh, this show is an all-commanders show. Uh, we on Thursday had no Nationals game. Uh, we on Thursday had no Orioles game. And we on Thursday continued to have very little news on both the Capitals head coaching search and the Wizards search for a new team president slash general manager. Although those searches probably aren't going to pick up steam until after the Stanley Cup and NBA playoffs, respectively. And so we on this show are going to talk a lot of commanders. Uh, next segment, in-depth reaction to and analysis of the team's 2023 regular season schedule. Uh, it is out. There is a lot to take in. Uh, take it all in. I shall with you. Next segment uh, from the commanders setting up to have one of the hardest schedules in the NFL uh, to the team having a week 14 bye for a second consecutive season, uh, to the team having just one primetime game, at least for now, uh, to the team playing on Thanksgiving yet again, to the spots that I think are, shall we say, most fertile for an in-season firing of head coach Ron Rivera. All of that and more next segment. And then after that, a guest with whom I will go in-depth on the commanders, Kyle Smith for GM, a writer for Hogs Haven. He goes by the name of Kyle Smith for GM. He does not publicize his real name. He is mysterious. He is enigmatic, but he writes a lot of smart and insightful stuff for Hogs Haven. And so we're going to get into a number of topics, including a lot regarding quarterback Sam Howell, a lot on the Commander's 2023 draft, uh, whether the team this offseason has done enough to fix the offensive line, and what else the team needs to do this offseason. Uh, you know, we on Thursday afternoon did have a modest update on the sale of the Commander's. Uh, sports business insider A.J. Perez of Front Office Sports, he on Thursday afternoon reported that, quote, the eight-member NFL Finance Committee took a look Wednesday at Josh Harris's massive deal to purchase the Washington Commanders, one so complex it could take longer than initially expected. But in the aftermath of the meeting, sources told Front Office Sports on Thursday that the $6.05 billion package Harris and at least a dozen limited partners put together is inching toward acceptance, end quote. Uh, Perez concluded his report with the following, quote, while a vote to approve Harris by the NFL owners appears at least somewhat questionable, a source told FOS that the tentative deal between Harris and Snyder is expected to be finalized by those meetings, end quote. And of course, the Snyder would be Dan Snyder, and the meetings would be the next gathering of NFL owners, the NFL's spring league meeting scheduled for May 22nd through the 24th in Minneapolis. Uh, you know, we on Thursday's show, episode 570, conducted a deep dive with sports business insider Daniel Kaplan of The Athletic on what the heck is holding up uh, the finalizing of Josh Harris buying the commanders. Uh, the finalizing cannot happen soon enough. It does look like it will be happening 
uh, just maybe not as quickly as we all want. Uh, additionally, the Commander's rookie minicamp began on Thursday, though not in attendance was their 2023 second round pick, Illinois defensive back Quan Martin. Uh, he, per the team, has an excused absence as he's dealing with a personal matter. Uh, lots of good stuff on Quan Martin on Tuesday's show, episode 568, during which I had a good conversation with Illinois defensive coordinator Aaron Henry. Uh, you can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from the great Dr. CCB off multiple items from Wednesday's show, episode 569, writes Dr. CCB. I was listening to the pod, as I always do each morning, and on Wednesday, you mentioned that Robert De Niro, at the age of 79, had had a seventh child. I nearly vomited in my mouth. Are you serious? 79? Still making babies? Shaking my head. Uh, And then you said that he must be the goat of procreation. But actually, I think that that title goes to Nick Cannon for having 12 babies with six different baby mamas. LOL. Uh, Now, putting aside the e-entertainment news of the morning, uh, I enjoyed listening to Tom Leach on Chris Rodriguez Jr. I had never heard of him, but then I YouTubed his highlights. This guy looks like exactly what the skins need to get short yardage. It was painful over the last few years, needing fourth and inches or third and one and not being able to power through for the necessary yardage. Now we may have a back along with B-Rob who can get these yards. And from what I hear, Rodriguez is a pretty good catcher out of the backfield. I only hope that the young man will not let the fame of being in the NFL go to his head and that he stays out of trouble. Uh, Thank you, for the email, Dr. CCB. Yes, that is a good debate. Robert De Niro versus Nick Cannon, who truly is the goat of procreation. I mean, De Niro may be the goat of actors. Uh, Nick Cannon, uh, well, I don't know that he's the goat of anything, but, uh, but, you know, Cannon wins the goat of procreation battle in terms of sheer volume, right? I mean, come on, 12 kids with six women, including, by the way, five kids in just the year 2022. (laughs) Think about that. Five kids in one year. Uh, But De Niro wins the battle in terms of longevity. I mean, homie fathering a kid as he is in his age 79 season, okay? That is impressive. So Cannon versus De Niro, take your pick. Uh, But yes, uh, Tom Leach, the longtime radio voice of Kentucky football and Kentucky basketball. So he on Wednesday's show gave us some really good stuff on the commander's sixth round pick in the 2023 NFL draft, Kentucky running back Chris Rodriguez Jr. And if you caught another good guest from this week, former Redskins general manager Scott McLuhan, he on Monday's show, episode 567, said that he had a second round grade on Rodriguez. Look, if the commander's offensive line this coming season isn't appreciably better than the line was this past season, then it's not going to matter who's running the ball for the team. But if the line is better and the team's new assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy himself, a former NFL running back, uh, is scheming things up properly, then the team should have a good running game. I mean, three talented backs in Brian Robinson Jr., Antonio Gibson, and Chris Rodriguez Jr., and a receiver who can be used as a running back, right, in Curtis Samuel, and a starting quarterback, potentially anyway, uh, in Sam Howell, who is a major run threat. Uh, Email from Larry Shore on something that I talked about on Monday's show, episode 567, who is the worst owner in Washington, D.C. sports history? And I put forth 
three candidates. Uh, our current Commander's co-owner and co-CEO, Dan Snyder, enough said there. Uh, George Preston Marshall, who founded the franchise that became the Skins and did move the team from Boston to Washington, D.C., and did win championships for the 1937 and 1942 seasons with the great Sammy Ball at quarterback. Uh, but George Preston Marshall also was a notorious racist as the Skins were the last NFL team to integrate. Uh, and then Bob Short, uh, owner of the Washington Senators from December 1968 through the 1971 season before moving the team to Texas in the 1971 1972 offseason. Uh, and Short also served as a senator's general manager and uh, made some, shall we say, questionable moves. Well, Larry has a fourth candidate for worst owner in D.C. sports history. Writes Larry, I very much enjoy your podcast and listen every day. Uh, Thank you, Larry. Continues Larry, I am a native Washingtonian and have been following Washington sports since my earliest memories, which would be from the early 1960s. I have been around for the highs and the lows ever since. While the three owners you mentioned on Monday's podcast are richly deserving of their places in the Hall of Shame, uh, there is one more who belongs right there with them. In 1955, Calvin Griffith took over the Senators upon the death of his uncle Clark Griffith, who had owned the team for some 40 years. Immediately, Calvin Griffith began talking about moving the franchise. He was caught shopping the team to other cities, but always denied doing so, saying repeatedly, the Senators will not leave Washington in my lifetime. He used the racial tensions that were part of the Times to complain about Griffith Stadium, which he owned, uh, not being safe for the fans, much as Bob Short was to do years later at RFK Stadium. As this was going on, the team actually was vastly improved with stars like Harmon Killebrew, Bob Allison, and Roy Seavers. After the 1960 season, the team moved to Minnesota, and Washington was granted an expansion team to replace that original Senators team. In 1965, Washington fans, including my late grandfather, had to endure the team that they had rooted for going to the World Series for another city while watching their local team lose over 90 games. Griffith went on to own the team for many decades and in the 80s caused quite a storm when at a team banquet he launched into a racist rant about how glad he was to have moved out of Washington and to Minnesota. So get another pedestal ready at the Washington Hall of Shame. (laughs) Love the podcast. Keep up the great work. Uh, Thank you for that, Larry. Excellent submission. You know, my thinking with the Griffiths was that I had them all as part of one ownership, like the Griffiths ownership. Uh, And the Senators under Clark Griffith had some excellent teams in the 1920s and 1930s, including a 1924 World Series championship team with maybe the greatest pitcher in baseball history leading the way, the great Walter Johnson. But when you break down the ownership between Clark Griffith and Calvin Griffith, absolutely. Uh, Calvin Griffith is a candidate for worst owner in D.C. sports history. A terrific email from Larry. Boy, we have had some bad owners (laughs) over the years, haven't we? But you know what also strikes me in doing this exercise? How Washington, D.C. also has had multiple debatable goats. I mean, arguably the greatest quarterback in NFL history is Skins legend Sammy Ball. Arguably the greatest pitcher in Major League Baseball history is Senators legend Walter Johnson. Uh, Arguably the greatest goal scorer in NHL history is Capitals winger Alex Ovechkin. And arguably 
the greatest player in NBA history is Wizards legend Michael Jordan. (laughs) So there you go. You see, four different major pro sports, four different GOATs, and they all played for Washington, D.C. teams. Well, the GOAT of D.C. area law firms is Paulson and Nace. Founded in 1979, Paulson and Nace is dedicated to promoting the rights of seriously injured persons and their families. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. You can call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Paulson and Nace is widely respected throughout Washington, D.C. and West Virginia for the firm's accomplishments both in and out of courtrooms. Chris Nace and Matt Nace, they are dedicated trial attorneys who do not balk in the face of large insurance companies or well-known businesses that have had practices or products that are directly related to the root of your harm. And by the way, a big congratulations to Chris Nace, who was just named the 2023 Barry J. Nace Trial Lawyer of the Year. Uh, This by the D.C. Trial Lawyers Association. Paulson and Nace does not accept Low settlement offers that benefit the people who cause clients harm more than the offers benefit the clients. And this is because Paulson and Nace is not afraid to take a case to trial. And that's because Paulson and Nace wins trials. Paulson and Nace has secured millions of dollars in verdict and settlement amounts for clients to better enable them to care for themselves and their families. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. Make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. Just make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. All right, so when it comes to the four major pro sports in this country, the NFL, MLB, the NBA, and the NHL, it is in the NFL in which a team's schedule matters most. Each team in MLB, of course, has a 162-game regular season. Each team in the NBA and NHL, of course, has an 82-game regular season. Each team in the NFL, of course, has a 17-game regular season. The small sample size that is an NFL team schedule uh, makes NFL teams' schedules matter more than the schedules for MLB, NBA, and NHL teams. And so as much as people mock all of the hype and pomp and circumstance uh, that come with the unveiling of the NFL regular season schedule each May. A, credit the NFL for the hype and pomp and circumstance. The league has done an outstanding job of turning something as mundane (laughs) as the schedule release into a big deal. And B, the truth is that an NFL team schedule is a big deal. An NFL team schedule can go a long way toward determining whether a team makes the playoffs Uh, whether a head coach gets fired, whether a player gets a big money contract, who you play can matter as much as how you play. 
The Commander's 2023 regular season schedule was officially released on Thursday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, although games on the schedule were leaked throughout the day. This has become an annual tradition now. NFL schedule release day truly being an all-day affair. Games are leaked throughout the day, and by the time that you get to 8 p.m. Eastern, uh, you already know a good bit, if not a majority of your team schedule. Well, let's start with this. The Commander's 2023 regular season schedule does set up to be difficult. Uh, with the caveat that the NFL is wildly unpredictable and what we think in May can be very different from what ends up happening September through January, the Commanders do appear to have a tough schedule for the 2023 regular season. The best strength of schedule analysis for NFL schedules uh, comes from the great Warren Sharp, NFL analytics pioneer and friend of the Al Galdi podcast. Warren Sharp of Sharp Football Analysis. Uh, he does his strength of schedule rankings for upcoming seasons based on projected win totals from Las Vegas odds makers. And that is such a better way of determining strength of schedule uh, than, say, winning percentages from the previous regular season. That's actually one of the worst ways to do strength of schedule in the NFL. Well, the commanders, per this Warren Sharp analysis, had the sixth hardest schedule in the NFL for the 2023 regular season as of May 8th. Uh, Now, the commanders, per Warren Sharp's strength of schedule analysis for the 2022 regular season, had the easiest schedule in the NFL as of March 31st, 2022, but the Commanders per Football Outsiders DVOA metric ended up having the 14th hardest schedule for the 2022 regular season. Again, what we think in May, or in last year's case, uh, March, uh, can be very different from what ends up happening September through January. But strength of schedule matters a ton. Uh, Washington, for the 2021 regular season per DVOA, had the hardest schedule in the NFL, ended up missing the playoffs, right? Faded down the stretch of that season. Now, there was a lot that went into the fade, including a COVID outbreak. But yeah, uh, Washington for the 2021 regular season per DVOA, the hardest schedule in the NFL. But Washington for the 2020 regular season per DVOA had the fifth easiest schedule in the NFL. And what happened in the 2020 season, Washington ended up winning an atrocious NFC East at seven and nine. Your schedule matters a lot. Uh, The Commander's 2023 regular season schedule has a week 14 bye. And if that sounds familiar, it should. The Commander's bye week for the 2022 regular season was week 14. So the team has a week 14 bye for a second consecutive season. Understand week 14 is the latest that an NFL team can have a bye. The Commanders are having the latest possible bye for a second consecutive season. You know, that Commander's Week 14 bye for the 2022 regular season marked the franchise's latest bye in a season since the inception of bye weeks in the NFL in the 1990s season. Uh, Now, is a Week 14 bye a late bye? Yes, of course. But I would much rather that the Commanders have a late bye week as opposed to having an early bye week. NFL bye weeks take place from Weeks 6 through 14. If you have to pick one extreme, I would much rather have the super late buy than the super early buy. You know, a week 14 buy can refresh a team for a postseason run, 
over the team's final four regular season games. A week six bye is just way too early, to me anyway. Uh, But ideally, you do have your bye week in, wait for it, the middle of the regular season. And Washington actually had a midseason bye in each of three consecutive seasons, 2019 through 2021. 2019 bye, week 10. 2020 bye, week 8. 2021 bye, week 9. Now, prior to that stretch, uh, the Redskins had had an early bye in back-to-back seasons. 2017 bye, week 5. 2018 bye, week 4. And those two early buys proved to be especially bad, given how injury-ravaged the Skins ended up being in each of those two seasons. Remember how wrecked by injury the Skins were in the 2017 and 2018 seasons? Well, early bye weeks in those seasons did not help. Uh, I actually think that the NFL, with its 18-week regular season, should not have any buys until at least week seven. Like, why can't the league just condense all teams' buys into, say, a five-week stretch, you know, week seven through 11, or a six-week stretch, week seven through 12, something like that, Uh, to me, would make a lot more sense than having buys starting in week six and lasting through week 14. Uh, The commander's initial 2023 regular season schedule has just one primetime game. And the the lone primetime game on the commander's initial 2023 regular season schedule is a game at the Chicago Bears on Thursday night football in week five. Yes, a rematch of the commander's epic Thursday nighter from this past season. Week six of the 2022 season, the commanders improved to two and four with a 12-7 win at the Chicago Bears on Thursday night football, October 13th, 2022. This was the game in which quarterback Carson Wentz suffered his uh, fractured ring finger on his right hand. This was the game after which Head coach Rod Rivera stormed off during his post-game press conference. In case you forgot, here you go. Everybody keeps wanting to say, I didn't want anything to do with Carson. Well, I'm the guy that pulled out the sheets of paper, that looked at the analytics, that watched the tape in the freaking, when we were at Indianapolis, okay? And that's what pisses me off, because the young man doesn't deserve to have that all the time. I'm sorry, I'm done. (laughs) Boy, is that funny to hear now, given all that has happened since then. Uh, (laughs) That is something, man. But as you may have noticed, I have said that the Commander's initial 2023 regular season schedule has just one primetime game. Keyword initial. Uh, The Commander's 2023 regular season schedule is subject to change. Uh, The NFL, beginning with the 2006 season, implemented a flexible schedule procedure for Sunday Night Football. We all know that, right? But the NFL, beginning with the 2023 season, has expanded flex scheduling, including to Monday Night Football. The NFL's flex scheduling windows for the 2023 season uh, for Sunday Night Football on NBC, flex scheduling can be used twice between weeks 5 through 10, and then can be used by the NFL's discretion from weeks 11 through 17. For Monday Night Football on ESPN, flex scheduling can be used by the NFL's discretion from weeks 13 through 17. So the commanders could end up with more, maybe a lot more than just one primetime game in the 2023 regular season. And keep this in mind, Washington over its first three regular seasons with Ron Rivera as head coach is a sparkling five and two in primetime 
regular season games. Yes, the nighttime has been the right time for Don Ron as Washington head coach. And let us hear that cut one more time. Everybody keeps wanting to say, I don't want anything to do with Carson. Well, I'm the guy that pulled out the sheets of paper, that looked at the analytics, that watched the tape in the freaking when we were at Indianapolis. Okay? And that's what pisses me off. Because the young man doesn't deserve to have that all the time. I'm sorry, I'm done. (laughs) I cannot get enough of that, man. I cannot get enough of that. Uh, Also, the commanders are playing on Thanksgiving again. If you like to have your turkey days, Washington football free, uh, sorry, once again, Washington is playing on Thanksgiving. Uh, One of the first things that leaked out about the Commanders' 2023 regular season schedule uh, was that they are playing at the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving 2023. This marks the fifth time in eight seasons that Washington is playing on Thanksgiving. You know, as much as our team has fallen, and no doubt uh, our team has fallen, uh, the NFL continually putting our team on Thanksgiving is telling. The NFL still recognizes uh, the power slash potential of Washington, D.C. as an NFL market. You know, these Washington Cowboys games on Thanksgivings do really well ratings-wise. And despite everything that has happened with our team, and in case you don't know, a lot has happened with our team, a lot of it not good. Uh, five out of eight years, Washington playing on Thanksgiving. That says something about what the NFL thinks of Washington, D.C., as an NFL market and what this market can be again as an NFL market. Uh, Washington from 2016 through 2020 played on Thanksgiving in four of five seasons, went two and two over those four games. Uh, Thanksgiving 2016, a 31-26 loss at the Cowboys. Thanksgiving 2017, a 2010 win over the New York Giants at FedEx Field in a Thanksgiving night game. Uh, Thanksgiving 2018, 31-23 loss at the Cowboys. And Thanksgiving 2020, a 41-16 win at the Cowboys. Uh, Washington is 4-8 and all-time on Thanksgiving. Uh, some other things with the Commander's 2023 regular season schedule. So the opener, uh, the Commander's 2023 regular season opener, is a home game, home to the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday afternoon, September 10th at 1. Uh, three of the Commander's first five games in the 2023 regular season are home games, but then comes a stretch of four or five games on the road. But after that stretch, four of the team's final seven games are home games, including the last two games. Uh, week 17, home to the San Francisco 49ers on New Year's Eve, and Week 18, home to the Dallas Cowboys. As for a second consecutive season, the Commander's Week 18 game is a home game against the Cowboys. We call that the Sam Howell game. Uh, How about when Ron Rivera might get fired, okay? I mean, look, we need to be talking in these terms, okay? Given the sale of the team, given that Ron has yet to have a winning regular season over three seasons as Washington head coach, and remember, the coach-centric approach, uh, the second that the team's 2023 regular season begins, Ron is on the hot seat. Ron is on as hot of a hot seat as an NFL head coach will ever be on. So listen, like, be honest about things, okay? Like, you look at the schedule, and I know, at least for me, I'm thinking, hey, when might the axe fall on Don Ron? So consider weeks three through five 
Uh, week three, home to the Buffalo Bills. Week four, at the Philadelphia Eagles. Week five, home to the Chicago Bears on Thursday night football. The Bills and Eagles figure to be tough opponents. And then comes a short week for a game against the Bears. And then comes a mini bye week. And that right there could be when Ron gets fired. Uh, If the commanders get off to a typical bad start under Ron, the bad start would figure to include losses to the Bills and at the Eagles. And then a loss to the Bears could yield Ron getting fired, given that the team's next game then would not be for a week and a half. Uh, Going into the week 14 bye also would be a natural spot for Ron to get fired. Uh, Now, look, I'm not like hoping that Ron gets fired. Uh, I am hoping that the commanders do well this coming season. I am hoping that Sam Howell kills it as the commanders QB1 for this coming season. But, you know, we on this podcast keep it real, yo. And an in-season firing of Ron Rivera is very much in play, at least right now. Well, also in play is a great deal for you from Shady Rays. 50%. Yes, 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses at ShadyRays.com. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the promo code ALGALDI. Rod Rivera may or may not be able to save his job, but you can save yourself (laughs) some serious money on sunglasses. Shady Rays sunglasses, they look good, they feel good. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's affordable and durable with clear optics for whatever you're doing outside. And Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements, meaning that if you lose or break your pair of sunglasses, even on day one, Shady Rays will send you a brand new pair of sunglasses no questions asked. You can wear your Shady Rays with confidence because Shady Rays has your back long after your purchase. And Shady Rays is offering this great deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the code Al Galdi for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Yes, 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Uh, if you don't love them, you can exchange them for sunglasses that you do love, or you can return your sunglasses for a full refund within 30 days. You see, there is no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Shady Rays always has your back. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the code ALGALDI for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. If you have been thinking about getting new sunglasses, now is the time and Shady Rays is the way. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. That's ShadyRays.com and use that promo code ALGALDI for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Uh, Also, Shady Rays has done some great work, has donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. Shady Rays, look good and feel good. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. So as we do continue to await and anticipate uh, the finalizing of the sale of the Commanders, uh, there is football stuff happening. The team's 2023 regular season schedule officially came out on Thursday night. The team's 2023 rookie minicamp began on Thursday. Uh, The team's first batch of OTA practices is scheduled for May 23rd through the 25th. Uh, We, of course, now are two months into free agency this NFL offseason, and we now two weeks ago uh, had the 2023 NFL Draft. Uh, I'm very pleased to welcome back to the Al Galdi podcast someone who has really good perspective on the commanders. He goes by the name Kyle Smith for GM. He is a writer for Hogs Haven, which is the SB Nation site for the commanders. You can follow him on Twitter at Smith4GM with the number four. And yes, he's aware <laughs> that Kyle Smith is no longer in Washington's front office. Uh, Kyle Smith for GM, he operates in anonymity, but he has written some really good stuff for Hogs Haven. He is a uh, smart, analytical Commanders fan, and it's nice to have him back on the podcast. Kyle Smith for GM, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks, Al. I appreciate it. I really was looking forward to getting back on with you after the draft. I wanted to Touch base, pick your brain, or have you pick my brain? Um, I think it was a it was a really interesting draft altogether, and um, I'm just looking forward to discussing it and get going into the offseason. Yeah, I definitely want to get to the Commanders' 2023 draft with you, but uh, now that the team's 2023 regular season schedule is out and we have an even better sense of the coming season, uh, given that we all know the deal, uh, Rod Rivera almost certainly is uh, coaching for his job as head coach the second that this Commander's 2023 regular season begins if Sam Howell ends up being the team starting quarterback. Uh, should that lessen the requirement for wins for Ron to keep his job? Or do you think that Ron should be held to a standard of a significant number of wins regardless of who the starting quarterback is? Yeah, I think uh, he's needs to be accountable with Hal regardless. Uh, you know, part of the issue, and I talked about it a lot last year, was the necessity of drafting a quarterback in that draft in case the Wentz experiment didn't work out. Um, and of course, we know the Wentz experiment was a, a, a disaster. Uh, and Sam Howell happened to thankfully fall to them in the fifth round, um, where he was a really excellent value. So, um, you know, th- I think that Sam Howell's probably future is pretty closely tied to <clears throat> that of Ron Rivera's. And, and if Sam Howell doesn't work out, I think Ron's gone. Uh, and I think he should be gone because I think that that puts us in the position next year of either having to draft pretty high quarterback or, you know, maybe use some resources for a free agent quarterback, depending upon what the landscape looks like. And honestly, I don't want this group uh, in charge of that. I think um, that's the kind of thing that you uh, give uh, as an opportunity to a new uh, regime coming in, you know, new general manager, new head coach, you let them pick their, their guy. 
Um, and I don't think uh, these guys deserve another crack at it. Um, it it's either going to work with Sam or it's not. What are you thinking with Sam Howell? I mean, so much talk about him for months now, especially lately. Uh, where are you in terms of what the team might get from Sam this coming season? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think it's a great question. I think there's sort of a lot of, you know, heated discussion in the Twitterverse these days, given Matt Miller's comments on Sam Howell and, um, you know, lots of people taking offense to that. And I think that, you know, there's a lot, big part of the fan base desperately wants fan, uh, Sam to work out. And I understand that. I mean, I, I'd love for him to work out too. Um, I think my expectations are probably a little bit more subdued in terms of you know, what's going to happen. But I look at last year, you know, I think around the quarterback position, the team has generally gotten better this year. And I think if Taylor Heineke had been starting all year last year, we probably would have made the playoffs. So I don't think you need Sam Howe to be a top 10 quarterback in order for this team to be very good. I think if Sam Howe's an average quarterback, and I I think he's capable of that, um, this team could, could, uh, slide right into the playoffs. So um, I think the question is going to be, you know, how well does he take to uh, be enemy's scheme? Um, of course, how well is the offensive line going to play? Uh, but I think he's capable of, of leading this team to the playoffs. That's not to say I think he's going to be an elite quarterback, certainly this year, but, but I think he's, he's capable of being good enough, I think. So you play this out in your mind, assuming new ownership, assuming that Sam Howell is the commander starting quarterback for this coming season. If he's good, that's great. The team moves forward with Sam as the QB1. If he's bad, that actually could also be great because the team then might be in position to take one of the perceived stud quarterbacks, USC's Caleb Williams or North Carolina's Drake May in the 2024 NFL draft. Uh, Although, if Sam is bad, then uh, that might lead to him being benched in favor of Jacoby Brissett, and that could lead to the commanders picking up a few wins to where the team is not in position to draft Williams or May. But that aside, what if Sam Howell this coming season is just okay? Like, there's some good, there's some not so good. You could argue that he'll get better. You could also argue that he's a road to nowhere especially given the new ownership. How should the team proceed if that's the case, that Sam is so-so this coming season? I think in that instance, um, you probably, again, I'm assuming we don't make the playoffs. I think you probably fire Rivera and most of the staff as well as the uh, front office. And you bring in your new front office and, and head coach. And, 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 you know, I guess depending upon how the offense plays, I think maybe um, the enemy may be in the mix for that role. I guess we'll see how that happens, you know, how that plays out this season. Um, and you let them decide. Uh, if they're saying, well, you know, we see Hal as being on the upswing, um, and we see real growth and, and we're willing to take a shot at him as our starting QB in 2024, uh, you think you leave that decision to them. I mean, it seems like sort of a work, you know, the worst case, uh, how is, if nothing else, a solid backup. Um, but again, I think we're really gonna have to see how the, how he plays this season to be able to make a determination along those lines. Yeah, there, of course, is so much potential nuance to the scenario that I just presented to you. Uh, All right, the Commander's 2023 draft. uh, You have written a lot about it. Some people liked it. uh, Some people despised it. Uh, Where are you on what the team did in the 2023 draft? 
Yeah, I mean, the draft was it was fascinating this year. I mean, I really felt like it wasn't until about day three where I could really get my brain around whether I liked the draft or not. I think I at, I think at the end of the day I gave it like a B plus, uh, which is which is pretty good. Um, it was it was surprising, but I went back and looked at it a couple of days after. Um, the draft was over. And the thing that you really recognize, again, you know, the mock drafters, and I count myself among them, you know, the people who've been doing um, sort of the exercises for months in the lead up to the draft, you know, they, they have a vision of sort of what the board looks like. And of course, you know, each team has its own board, each team has its own preferences. And the thing that came out to me really was, especially with this draft, was that it seemed like Rivera and Mayhew and Turney were, were basically using as a first lens, um, and I think it makes sense, uh, the, the lens of scheme fit. You know, how does this player fit into what we're looking for? Not is this the most talented guy that's on the board in the abstract, um, but how does this guy fit into our team, both um, schematically and then probably culturally as well? You know, are they are they leaders? Are they ca- you know team captains? Are they people who are upstanding members of their community? I mean, which seems to be a big thing for for Ron in particular. And and I think if you look back at all of these players, um, uh, they you find very uh, clearly um, that they they do appear to be very good uh, scheme fits for. Um, both on offense and defense, um, this team. And so a guy like Emmanuel Forbes, you know, who's the criticism as well, maybe he's a little bit too skinny or he's, he's not, you know, he's going to get broken in the NFL or something like that. I mean, you look at a lot of the conversations, especially sort of in the, in the time right around the draft itself. And, and people are saying things like, you know, he, he might be the best, you know, other than Witherspoon, whatever, who I think was kind of a consensus overall, Number one, he might be the next best, uh, you know, cover corner in in the draft. Um, and if he was a little bit heavier, you know, ten pounds heavier, he probably would have gone in like the top ten or something like that. So, um, so I don't have any um, discomfort there. I always felt like that first pick was going to be either a cornerback or a uh, offensive lineman. And the way the draft worked out on the offensive line was just brutal for Washington. I mean, there was really nobody worth taking there at 16. So, um, so I thought that made sense. And, you know, I, it, it, we can go through the other picks, um, uh, if you'd like it, uh, over the course of the discussion, but, but I think, um, each of those picks really, um, did fit in well with what they're trying to do. And it, you know, uh, but I recognize some folks felt like, you know, oh, we should have taken a guard in the second round or something along those lines. And I just think um, that wasn't that wasn't where their minds were. They were taking the best player available who, who really fit what they were looking to do. It's notable to me that you say that because that's how I felt, that the commanders in the 2023 draft seem to abide by the draft philosophy of best player available as opposed to drafting for need. And I thought that them taking a defensive back in each of the first two rounds was a sign of the team going best player available instead of drafting for need. Them not taking an offensive lineman in either of the first two rounds, to me, was them not drafting for need. And I like that. I think that best player available is the way to go. But what I'll admit complicates all of this is that what we think is a need for the team, the team itself may not view as a need and vice versa. 
Yeah, well, it's interesting about, uh, so with Quan Martin, I mean, that, my, my take was essentially that slot corner position, that was the only real starting vacancy on the team going into the draft, you know, that with Bobby McCain having left, um, uh, there was, there was originally sort of a gap at right tackle. They filled that with Wiley, um, in the, in free agency. Um, they, they backfilled center with Gates in free agency. Um, and they backfilled Colcomb with Barton in free agency. So I felt like that slot corner was the one position that you could say, well, there's a starting, there's a starting hole in the lineup, essentially, assuming somebody like Percy Butler or whatnot wasn't going to take that role. Um, so yeah, I mean, you could say, well, was Quan Martin a need? I mean, he sort of was a need in that regard. Um, but he also, you know, by several accounts was the best safety sort of, um, uh, versatile DB, if you want to call it call it that, um, in the draft. And so I think he could have been the best player available at a position of need there, uh, which is a sensible uh, thing to do in terms of drafting. Uh, I really think, um, you know, you go back and look at stuff that's been said about Martin and he's, uh, folks are very, very effusive with praise and he's got that versatility, the true versatility that Rivera and Del Rio, uh, seem to be, uh, craving on their defense and, and, you know, sometimes folks have kind of mocked the versatility and it, you know, it gets overused a little bit, but, but I do think, you know, uh, Rivera has clarified a little bit that the idea of the defensive versatility in particular is, is so that you can keep the same 11 guys on the field, uh, regardless of what the offense is doing. Um, and you don't have to be pulling guys on and off based on their scheming, which, which, you know, interesting theory. We'll see how it works. We're talking Commanders with Kyle Smith for GM, a rider for Hogs Haven. Uh, which Commanders pick in the 2023 draft did you like the most? Yeah, that's a good question, and I've kind of I've struggled a little bit. I think, um, you know, it'd be easy to say somebody like Forbes. You know, I mean, you should like the first round pick the best. I think I really like the 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 Ricky Stromberg pick. You know, and I mean, that's kind of I don't know. It's like, well, it's a center. You know, how exciting is that? Um, but I think, you know, one of the things you see looking back is that especially highly drafted centers, um, tend to, to have a pretty low bust rate and Stromberg, you know, here's a guy who was named like the top, uh, offensive lineman, uh, in the sec by the coaches this past year. I mean, that's a pretty big honor. Um, seems like just a, a heck of a player in terms of his intensity um, and you know, it's, it's, it's of course sad to see Chase Rulia go, but, um, but I'd love to think that Stromberg is a guy who could be with the team for, you know, eight or 10 years or whatever. And, uh, and could be a, a key piece of this line going forward. So, uh, you know, safe, safe pick to a certain extent, not the most exciting pick. Um, but I like it. And I, I think, uh, given the disaster at center we've had for the past couple of years here, I'd like to see some stability there for the next few years. Now that we are multiple months deep into the Commanders' 2023 offseason, has the team adequately addressed what we, coming into the offseason, all agreed was in need of a major addressing the offensive line? Yeah, this is, I mean, this is the the most, the biggest topic of consternation, it seems like, among fans. I mean, fans fans are convinced that the offensive line is is garbage and that we don't have uh you know uh, anybody there who's reliable and um 
I've been doing a couple of articles um, on both, really on the free age, focusing on the free agents, and I've got one on Andrew Wiley. And and as I've dug into Gates and Wiley um, in particular, I've felt much more comfortable. Um, you know, I, I did feel like going into the draft, and I, I again, I wrote a piece on this, I felt like uh, Rivera and the front office did a very, very nice job of plugging the holes with free agency, which in, in my opinion is what you should be doing. Um, Gates is a guy, you know, who, who obviously had that brutal leg injury uh, against Washington a couple of years ago, uh, but came back. I think he started 10 games last year, played very well. He was a fan favorite. I mean, people just, uh, you know, really loved the energy that that guy played with. Um, and, and he was pretty effective. Um, so whether he starts at center or whether he backs up Stromberg, I don't know, but I think he's uh, a good addition. I, I, I feel like he's basically, um, <clears throat> a substitute for Wes Schweitzer. You know, I mean, a guy who can play guard center reliably, um, who's, who's pretty solid. Um, Wiley, again, Wiley took a, a lot of, uh, or there was maybe a lot of skepticism about Wiley um, in terms of maybe being the weak link of that Chiefs offensive line, which was just uh, great this past year. Uh, again, it's important to remember Wiley was a guard for most of his career. Um, he, his first real professional experience at right tackle was in that Chiefs Super Bowl against the Buccaneers, where um, the the both starting tackles for the Chiefs had gone down, and then Patrick Mahomes was was brutalized. Um, and and part of that was on Wiley. I mean, he was you know he was not a great right tackle at that point, but he's had a couple of years of experience under his belt. Uh, and if you go back and look at the film of how he played against the Eagles in the Super Bowl this past um, winter, I mean, he was just dominating. I mean, he, he basically handled Hassan Reddick um, completely and, and was, you know, touted as, uh, you know, just an, an unsung hero kind of a, uh, a, a dominant performance in that game. So I think he's a guy who's on the upswing in terms of, of playing right tackle. Um, feel better there. Uh, I think Cosme, you know, let's leave Cosme at guard all year, not move him around, bounce him around so he can get comfortable at, at right guard. And I think we'll hopefully see him um, be relatively injury-free and um, play well there. Um, and Leno, you know, Leno, again, at left tackle, I think he's maybe an average tackle, but that's fine. I think he's he's solid there. And so the left guard question comes up, you know, people are like, well, is it going to be Chris Paul? Is it going to be, you know, Sadiq Charles? Is he finally going to step up? I don't know. I, I, I think someone will step into that role and will be okay. I do think that probably better guard play there on the left side will certainly help Leno out as well. Um, so I think I, I'm expecting probably sort of an average offensive line going into it, but, um, I could, could be surprised. I'm, I, um, you know, I'm not not as worried about it as a lot of people, and I think I get. You know, people probably think that's a homer view, but but that's after you know considering it pretty seriously. And I think if you look at what Washington did in the draft in terms of Daniels and Stromberg as additions, they actually invested. I mean, they certainly invested more this off season than they have since Rivera's been here on the offensive line, and I think um, I think that makes sense. A position in which the commanders this offseason have not invested is tight end. Uh, Ron Rivera and general manager Martin Mayhew publicly have come off like they feel good about the team at tight end. And the lack of action at the position suggests that they do actually feel good about the team at tight end. Are they right to feel good? 
So I think I'm one of the few people who actually is completely at peace with um, what's going on with the tight end room. Um, I think, you know, tight end is truly a bizarre animal and people look at that and say, oh, well, you know, you've got Logan Thomas who's, who's coming off, you know, injury recovery and you've got three guys who are pretty unproven and, you know, Bates and Turner and Rogers, I guess four guys, including Hodges. Um, and I don't feel, com- and I don't feel comfortable about that. And, 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 you know, so folks were saying, um, uh, well, you know, we need to draft a tight end. If you look at the history of, of tight ends, uh, taken in the draft, almost universally, those guys don't start performing until about year two or three. So you're not getting instant relief in the draft, no matter who you take at tight end. So put that one on the, um, on the back burner. And then in, in free agency, you know, there, there were a few tight ends, but the, even the uh, teams picking up uh, free agent tight ends has been kind of a mixed bag. If you think about, uh, you know, like Austin Hooper, when he was taken uh, a few years back. Uh, and of course, like John U. Smith and Hunter Henry went into like a, you know, uh, a black hole in new England. Um, so what I think, you know, again, if Logan is healthy, uh, he's a very solid tight end one. My mo- my greatest excitement for this group actually is Armani Rogers. I think that guy is going. To, I think he will be tight end one um, eventually. Here, it could be as soon as twenty twenty four in terms of that. I think he's got the highest upside. But my bigger point is tight end success generally comes with experience in the league, and and what we've got is a tight end room. Uh, that has got another year of experience under their belt. And so um, I don't think, you know, I don't think Bates is ever going to, he's not going to ever be, um, you know, Dallas Goddard or somebody like that, but he's going to be solid. And if he gets 300, 400 year, uh, 400 yards uh, receiving in a year, that's about probably his, his ceiling, which is fine. Um, but, you know, Turner, uh, Hodges, Rogers, I think those guys, uh, are the guys that we need to look for growth this year. And I, I'm expecting it. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Martin Mayhew on April 29th in the uh, joint post-draft press conference with Ron Rivera. Martin admitting that he wished that he had been more aggressive in pursuing trades during the draft. Uh, what'd you think about that? Yeah, I guess when he said that, I was worried because I usually take aggressive to mean, you know, uh, trying to trade up in the draft. Uh, and so the question becomes, you know, what, where in the draft was he trying to trade up? What was he trying to trade up for? Um, and, you know, him saying that, I, I kind of wondered, well, does that mean that Rivera was keeping him in check? You know, was Rivera basically saying, no, we're not, we're not going to give up next year's second to, to, to move up for X, Y, or Z? Um, and I, you know, I always think about that in terms of, well, if you had been more aggressive, which of the guys who are on your, you know, um, draft list wouldn't be there now. Um, and who might you have? Um, so I was, that, that, that concerned me a little bit. I mean, I, again, without knowing the details, it's hard to get too far into it. Um, but, uh, but I, I was a little worried about that because my feeling, especially with the, the trading up is. Um, you know, it's usually to me, it's indicative of like, you know, better, you know, you know, better than, than other folks in terms of who, who you're going to go grab. And, and I just uh, fall back that, you know, the best, the best way to approach the draft is like to have the most opportunities to hit because, um, because 
very rarely are you so much better at scouting or um, talent evaluation than every, everybody else in the league than that you're going to be able to to find a diamond in the rough that that they did not find. Um, so, so yeah, a little concerning. Final question. Uh, the bulk of the commander's activity this offseason is done, but that, of course, doesn't mean that more can't or won't be done. Is there anything that you'd like to see the team do that it has not yet done? Yeah. Um, so I, the, the one thing that I would like to see is, you know, sort of upgrading um, or looking at opportunities to upgrade back of the roster positions in terms of some of the depth. Uh, and I think the one spot where it seems to me like there is an opportunity is potentially at linebacker. Again, there's a lot of hand wringing about, well, we've only got Jamin Davis and Cody Barton as starters. And of course, you know, most folks recognize the team only actually plays with two linebackers or less most of the time anyways. But, but I, I, you know, find it a little hard to believe that we can improve upon David Mayo um, as depth or maybe Khalid Hudson, depending upon how he's, uh, matured and, and improved this year. So, um, I, that's what I would be looking at. Nothing, you know, n- no big, uh, free agent moves, but opportunities to just improve the roster, particularly on the backside, uh, with some guys who, who maybe, you know, you could sign to a, a one year prove it deal, um, who hopefully play well and then maybe roll off and, um, provide the opportunity to generate some comp pick capital or something like that next year. Uh, and the one-year prove-it deal has been something with which Washington, under Ron Rivera, has done pretty well. The anonymous Kyle Smith for GM, writer for Hogshaven. I uh, always enjoy having you on the podcast. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Al. Really appreciate it. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Monday show, episode 572. We'll have a lot for you on the Commanders. Also, I'll discuss the rest of our Washington, D.C. area sports weekend. The Nationals this weekend have the first three games of a four-game series against the New York Mets at Nationals Park. As this series is the rare four-game series that goes from a Friday through a Monday. Uh, the Orioles this weekend have a three-game series against the National League Central leading Pittsburgh Pirates at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you on Monday. Everybody keeps wanting to say, I didn't want anything to do with Carson. Well, I'm the guy that pulled out the sheets of paper, that looked at the analytics, that watched the tape in the freaking when we were at Indianapolis. Okay? And that's what pisses me off. Because the young man doesn't deserve to have that all the time. I'm sorry, I'm done.